Okay, good morning. How are we? Are we all right? Uh, I don't know if you're aware, but it's Christmas tomorrow. Uh, it is Christmas Eve today, and I am super excited about the fact that it's Christmas Eve. Um, I would ask you if you are ready for Christmas, but after Tim's preach last week, I've learned that no good can come from asking that question. So I'm just going to assume that you're all ready for Christmas, um, that you've got everything sorted and in place, and that we're just so excited that it's Christmas tomorrow. Um, I don't know about you, but I finished work this week. I've got a whole week off over Christmas. Uh, and there was a little spring in my step when I left work on Friday afternoon, knowing that I had the Christmas holidays to look forward to. And I love my job but I was so excited to have some time off over Christmas. And I thought I'd just start this morning, not to remind ourselves of work, because we are mostly on our holidays now, but just with a little survey, with a little poll to see who we've got in this morning. So can you give me a wave or a cheer if you work in healthcare? So if you're a doctor or a nurse, Janet's waving at me. Um, Anyone who works in administration, in an office type role? I've got a couple of people. Um, anyone who works in education? Maybe any teachers? <laughs> teachers are super excited to be on their Christmas holidays now. Um, do we have any shepherds in? Oh, no, I think that might have been a false hand there, Sam Sidley. Uh, we do not have any shepherds in, which is a little bit unfortunate, really, um, because this morning I'm going to be talking about shepherds. So I thought, you know, we don't really know a lot about them. It's not something that's a kind of a common job now. We do have shepherds and farmers, but it's kind of a different role than it was back in the time when Jesus was born. So I thought to help us relate to the shepherds, we should find out a little bit more about them to start off with. So I've, um, I've taken, well, the advice of my drama teacher. I did drama A-level. Yes, I did. I did. And I love drama because they gave the best homework. Because the homework was things like go home and research five facts about your character. And then I'd just go on Google and find out five facts. And then that would be drama homework done and dusted. So with the help of Wikipedia, I've come up with some facts about shepherds to help us understand them a little bit more and to see their point of view at Christmas. So I thought we'd start off just with a quick segment called Inside the Mind of a Shepherd, just to get us started. There we go. So I've got five shepherd facts for you. You don't have to write them down unless you've got a particular interest in shepherding. They're not particularly spiritual points, but just facts for you to know. So, shepherd fact number one. Being a shepherd was always the role of the youngest boy in the family. So if you were a boy, as soon as you were old enough to be trusted to look after sheep, you became the shepherd. And that was your role, and it stayed as your role until you had another younger brother or boy in the family who was able to take on that role for you. If there were no younger brothers, then you were stuck as a shepherd for life. There we go. Um, shepherd fact number two, shepherding was an all-weather activity. So in the summer, you would have to lead sheep up to the mountains. You'd have to find water, find places for them to graze. Um, you'd have to find somewhere where you could look after your sheep in the summer. And then in the winter, you'd have to bring them back down, find some shelter for them. And it meant that you were often away with your sheep for weeks and months on end. So sometimes it could get a little bit lonely. Um, oh, yeah. 
shepherd fact number three. Shepherds would have between 100 and 150 sheep. And they spent so much time with their sheep that they would be able to know them all individually. And they'd even have calls and names for each of their sheep. So if one was wandering off, they would have spent so much time that they could call that sheep back. They would know which one it was. Shepherd fact number four. Shepherds, although occasionally they had to fight off wild animals, uh, there was a lot of downtime. There was a lot of time just sitting, watching the sheep, making sure everything was okay. Um, So they would entertain themselves, and they were known for being quite musical people, so they would often have flutes and musical instruments and things that they could use to entertain themselves with. And shepherd fact number five, shepherds didn't get any holidays. The sheep couldn't just look after themselves when they went away. Um, They didn't get weekends, so it was a full-time role. This meant... (laughs) Paul's clapping. This meant that shepherds could not observe the Sabbath. So it, it was a Jewish culture at that time, and it was, um, it was the, the thing that you had to have a day of rest, the Sabbath, and just not do any work on that day. But shepherds weren't able to do this because the sheep couldn't look after themselves. So they would often be judged by religious people and religious authorities at that time for not being able to keep the Sabbath. So they were looked down on a bit. They got the rough end of the deal there. So those are my five shepherd facts. Do we all feel like we know a little bit more about shepherds now? We're a bit more informed. So with that in mind, I thought we would now read the Christmas story where we meet the shepherds. And it's a bit of a chunk. It's about 10 10 verses, but I'm going to read it all together. And then we'll spend some time unpacking some bits and some lessons that I think we can learn from it. So I'm going to read Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 18. Stand over here a bit. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. So these shepherds, possibly young boys of the family, just out looking after the sheep, it's night time. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the, da- in the town of David, a saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to, the- to those on whom his favour rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what they had been told about what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. Is that all of it? That's all of it. Thanks. So as I was thinking about the shepherds, I had a couple of questions, really. First of all, why was it that God chose shepherds, of all people, to get involved with the Christmas story? You know, shepherds weren't particularly educated people. They weren't particularly high in like, the, the religious or the religiousness of the times. They were just ordinary, hardworking people, yet God chose to get shepherds involved. And actually, when you look back through the Bible and through the Old Testament, 
God quite often chooses shepherds to get involved. So I don't know if you know, but Abraham was a shepherd. Jacob and his family were shepherds. Moses was a shepherd. David, who was the youngest boy of the family, went through his time of being a shepherd. So there must be something about shepherds that makes God want to get them involved. They must be responsive to God in some way that makes them think, I'm going to get shepherds involved in what I'm doing. And that's what I want to learn from this morning. So my other question was, what was the role of shepherds in the Christmas story, really? When you think about it, everyone else seems to have a role. So obviously Mary gave birth to Jesus. That's a pretty big role. Um, Joseph looked after Mary and then obviously brought, brought Jesus up. The wise men, they threw Herod off the scent and were able to keep Jesus safe uh, when Herod was looking for him to kill him. The shepherds, they didn't really do anything practically that helped with the, the story of Christmas. They didn't bring any gifts. They didn't play a role in any part in the birth of Jesus or in bringing him up. They were simply invited along to come and see Jesus for themselves and to glorify this wonderful event that was happening So God invited the shepherds for no other reason, just to be a part of it, just to meet Jesus and just to get the word out that Jesus had been born. And I think what we can really learn from the shepherds is how to respond to the invitation to meet Jesus. So that's what I'm calling my preach today. I'm calling it Lessons from the Shepherds, Responding to God's Invitation. That's what I think we can learn from this morning, because whether you realize it or not, God is inviting you. He's always inviting you. He's inviting you to meet with Jesus. He's inviting you into relationship. He's inviting you to take steps of faith. The invitation is always there for you, whether you realize it or not. So traditional fashion, I've got three points, three things that I think we can learn from the shepherds uh, from this Christmas story about how we can respond to God. So my first point is this, it's be ready. And um, if we can just have this scripture on the screen as well, Luke 2, 8 to 9, just to pull this bit back out again. It says, there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. The angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were terrified. The shepherds were out in the field at nighttime They were not expecting company, let alone were they expecting an angel, let alone a whole host of angels. The shepherds were not prepared. And I don't know about you, I don't know if it's a cultural thing, but we feel like if we have guests coming around, we have to be prepared. Um, My mum was always like this, so if we knew anyone was coming around, the hoover would be out One of us would have to go to the corner shop to go and get a packet of biscuits in. We would have to be prepared. For some reason, even if someone was only going to be dropping something around or coming in to have a brew, that meant that my bedroom had to be tidy. Like they were ever going to come into my bedroom. Um, I think that might have been an excuse on my mum's part there. But we had this thing, we have to be ready for guests. Have, Have you ever had an unexpected guest? Or have you ever had someone come in and drop in on you, maybe when you weren't expecting them? I've had this experience, um, and the person who dropped in on me was Sarah, and I have asked, it's okay that we use this story. Um, And Sarah came to drop in on me one day, and I really wasn't prepared. 
it was, um, well, it was a bit of a, a sad day, really. My grandma had passed away on the Saturday, um, and I, we'd come back late on Saturday night, and it was quite an emotional, quite a long day. And then I didn't make it to church on the Sunday morning. In fact, I didn't make it out of bed on the Sunday morning. I was feeling quite rough. Um, so Rob went off to church, and I was going to have the morning in. So I didn't get out of my pajamas that morning. I didn't have a shower or wash my face. I don't even know if I brushed my teeth that morning. I had washing around the house. I had piles of washing that were clean. I had piles of washing that weren't clean. I had stuff on the radiator, including underwear. Um, and I had text Rob to say, bring a McDonald's in on the way back from church because there's no way that I was going to be cooking that morning. So Rob brought in McDonald's and we had McDonald's wrappers around everywhere. And then there was a knock at the door. And it was Sarah. And inside, I just, my stomach just twisted. Like, no, I am at my least prepared. I am a mess. My house is a mess. I am not ready for this at all. And I had a bit of a freak out. But it was okay. Sarah would just come in on her way past just to drop in, just to give me a hug, just to make sure that I was okay. And actually, that was exactly what I needed. I wasn't prepared for it, but it was exactly what I needed. And that can be the way with unexpected guests sometimes. That was the way with the angels in the story. They weren't expecting them, but they were exactly what they needed. Sometimes we can use the fact that we're not ready or the fact that we're not prepared for things almost as an excuse, maybe, not to respond to God when we know that he wants us to do something. So we can know that God wants us to, um, to do something, or we've read something in the Bible and we feel like that's, that's where God wants me to go, that's where he wants me to do. But we can use the excuse of, actually, I'm, I'm not ready. I need to clear up my life over here, or I need to make sure that I'm sorted out in this area, or I need to get myself ready for, for this. I'm, I'm not ready yet. I'll maybe do it later, but at the moment, I'm not prepared enough. And we can use the excuse of not being ready to delay responding to the invitations that God gives us. Um, there's a German pastor called Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I hope that's his name. That's how it's spelt. So good luck if you can say it better than I can. Um, and I love this quote. It says, we must be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted by God. And I love it because it doesn't say that we have to be ready for God. We don't have to be ready for every eventuality that God might um, require of us. We don't have to be prepared for everything. We just have to be ready to allow ourselves to be interrupted. We just have to look up once in a while. So I want to ask you the question and challenge you this morning. How interruptible are you? Are you like one of those horses walking down the street and they have those blinkers on. Is that what they're called, blinkers? Or is that a made-up word? I don't know. But they've got these things over their eyes that keep them from being distracted, so they're focused on what's in front of them. And sometimes we can be like that. We can be so focused on taking one, one foot in front of the other and doing um, the, role, the role that we've been given, the job that we've been given. We can be so focused on it, and it's not a bad thing to be focused on what we're doing but so much so that we don't take a look up at any point. We don't hear what God is trying to say to us. We are not interruptible to what God wants to say to us throughout our days. Are you expecting God to be a part of your day? Or in the shepherd's case, are you expecting God to be a part of your night? So it's night time. 
The shepherds were not ready for the angel. They weren't expecting him. They were simply shepherding, doing their job, working hard. Yet they allowed themselves to be interrupted by God. So how interruptible are you? Can I encourage you over the next couple of days, as it's Christmas and we have time to maybe relax a little bit, to let our guard down a bit, to unwind, let's practice the art of being interruptible. Let's be checking in with God and seeing what it is that he wants us to be doing, what it is that he wants us to be saying, just connecting with him at different points throughout the day. Let's practice being interruptible so that we can take that into our work and our school when we go back. So point number one was to be ready and allow ourselves to be interruptible. My second point is be steady. You see where I'm going with this. Um, Luke 2, verses 9 to 10. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. I can't even begin to imagine how the shepherds must have felt. Um, seeing angels fill the sky, hearing these joyful songs. It says that they, they were terrified. And I think in that situation, I would also be terrified. And the angel had to say, do not be afraid. Um, Tim touched on, on fear a bit last week. And he talked about how we can have rational fears and how we can have irrational fears. And I suppose that fear in its almost its most primal sense or its purest sense, fear is a survival mechanism. It's something that keeps us physically safe. It's something that stops us from getting too close to the edge of a cliff or makes us run when we hear loud bangs and makes us not want to go and stroke lions and dangerous animals and things. Fear is what keeps us physically safe. Yet, so many of us can experience that sense of fear and situations that aren't physically dangerous. We can experience it um, when we go through different difficult emotional circumstances. We can feel fear about making pivotal decisions. We can feel fear um, about knowing what to do for the best. We can feel fear about social interaction. We can feel fear about so many things. And actually, there are loads of us who can experience fear for absolutely no reason at all. And we have this sense of anxiety sometimes when we know that there's no physical danger, but we can experience fear. It's almost become so much of who we are that we can experience it without any cause in the first place. And somehow this fear that was once a mechanism for keeping us physically safe and for keeping us physically alive can sometimes end up stop us, stopping us from living and from living a full life. Um, sometimes fear can keep us like a rabbit in the headlights, not knowing which direction to turn, not knowing which is the least painful option to take. And fear can sometimes immobilize us. I was once physically immobilized by fear, and this is just to lighten the mood a little bit. Um, one of my most embarrassing moments of all time, I was in a high school production of Fame. Uh, I was 15 years old, 
Um, and I was there, I was one of the dancers, and during rehearsals, they had, the choreographers were saying, right, we need someone to do a cartwheel down the middle of the stage, and then everyone else is going to spin in from the side, and it's going to look amazing. So they were asking who could do a cartwheel, and I felt confident, so I said, I can do a cartwheel, don't worry about that. Um, but because I was 15, <laughs> I'm no longer 15, um, but because it was a school production, we were all there in our school skirts, so we'd, we'd, I didn't actually do it during the rehearsals. We just kind of, when the cartwheel time came, I'd just run down and pretend that I'd done a cartwheel. Um, and then we came to the dress rehearsal, and I was wearing my leggings then. Fame style, I was wearing my 80s leggings, so I was ready. And the music was playing, and it was coming to the point of the cartwheel, and all of a sudden, I just had this fear drop within me that, what if I can't do a cartwheel? What if I can't make it over? What if I look like an idiot? It's a long way down from up here. What if I... And I just suddenly became overcome by this fear. So much so that I missed my cue, and then everyone just started spinning into me. I wasn't supposed to be there at that time. And it was... Oh, it was devastating because I'd been so confident that I could do this cartwheel I just looked like an idiot um, so it was one of my most embarrassing moments of all time but fear physically immobilized me um, don't worry I went home and I practiced my cartwheels and I was fine when it came to the actual show just that dress rehearsal but fear immobilized me fear stopped me from doing what I wanted to do um, I've got another quote from a guy called Robin Sharma, and he's a leadership expert. He's an American guy. And he says, the fears we don't face become our limits. And I, that really resonated with me, actually. The things that we, we draw the line at and say, I'm not going there because I'm too afraid, that then becomes our limit. So we need to overcome our fears. We need to overcome the things that make us afraid. How do we do that? Well, looking back at the shepherds, they were afraid, and they managed to overcome that. Um, and so how did the shepherds manage to overcome their fear? The angel said to them, do not be afraid. We have good news. And ever since that mention of good news, ever since that mention of Jesus being born as their savior, they didn't have to be told again not to be afraid. It doesn't say that they still were terrified. There's no more mention of them being afraid after the good news was told to them. So when you're feeling afraid, whether that's for no reason, whether that's for a specific reason, whether you're feeling afraid of accepting God's invitation, focus on the good news that God brings instead. When the shepherds focused on the good news, they became excited. They were full of joy. The fear just left them and they became excited about going and seeing this Jesus for themselves. So when you're afraid, don't focus on the fear, focus on the good news. The good news that your saviour has been born, that Jesus died for you, that you don't have to live with sin, that you don't have to live with fear, but actually you can live in freedom and that you have this hope in front of you. It was enough for the shepherds to forget about their fear and replace it with joy. So let's let it be enough for us as well. Don't let fear immobilize you from walking with God. Instead, fix your attention on the good news at Christmas. So my first point was be ready. My second point was be steady. And my third point was go. My little brother's just walked across the back. 
Hello. Oh, hi. Oh, my mum's actually here. I didn't realise that. And I've just uh, told her off for telling me to clean my room. Okay. Oh, dear. We'll carry on. Go. Okay. <laughs> so Luke 2, 15 to 16. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds hearing the good news their response to that was, we need to go and do something about this. We can't stay here having heard that news. We need to go and see Jesus. We need to go and meet Jesus. We need to go and tell people about Jesus. And you know, the shepherds only had part of the story that we have. They only had part of the good news. They only knew that Jesus had been born. We've got the extra, we've got the full version of the good news. We've got the life of Jesus, we've got the words of Jesus, we've got the miracles and teachings of Jesus, we've got the account of him dying on the cross, we've got his resurrection, we've got the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have the good news that the shepherds had and so much more. We've got the full story. So just as the shepherds reacted with excitement um, about hearing this good news, let's not lose that excitement ourselves. Let's not let kind of the awe and the wonder of the good news of Jesus um, get familiar to us and stop us from kind of getting excited about it. Let's let it bubble up inside of us constantly. We have good news and it is good news worth sharing. The good news of Jesus changed my life and I'm sure it changed a lot of your lives too. If you've never heard the good news of Jesus before, then let this morning be the morning when you hear the good news. Let this morning be the morning when I tell you that you have a saviour who was born as a baby and lived a life full of love and that he died on a cross so that you wouldn't have to live with your sin or your shame anymore, but that actually you could live in relationship with God in a life of freedom. You've been told now, you've got no excuse. And for those of us who have heard that news before, how does that make you feel? Let's just let ourselves get excited about that again. Let's just let that settle with us and stir within us again, just to get ourselves excited about this good news. Mark chapter 16, verse 15, it says, Go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. And that word gospel is just, just another word for good news. That's, and there Jesus' words, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole of creation. We've got a responsibility to share this good news. And we don't have to be weird about it. We just have to live lives that show that we follow Jesus. We've got to show love to one another. We've got to show respect to one another. We've got to look after each other. When people ask us about our faith, we've got to be ready with an answer. We've got to be ready with our testimony to share what we believe. We have good news. And who are we to keep it to ourselves? It's not our news. It's news for everyone else in the world. So I'm just going to wrap things up now and I'm going to go back to my um, shepherd fact number one. 
which I bet you wish you'd written them down now. Um, but my shepherd fact number one was that the role of a shepherd was always the role of the youngest boy in the family. And that it was a transient role and a changing role and that it was your role to be a shepherd for a specific time. And I feel like we are almost in that role now. Like we are the shepherds of today. So there's been a generation ahead of us. There will be a generation to come up behind us. But at the moment, we are the generation of today. We are the shepherds of, of now so we are the people that God has trusted to share his good news with other people on the earth now. We've got a responsibility to do that. We need to make sure that we're looking after each other, that we're serving each other, that we're sharing the good news of Jesus. But also in the same way that God extended the invitation to the shepherds to come and meet with Jesus, he's extending that invitation to us now. As the generation of today, again, he is saying, you are invited to come and meet with Jesus. The question is, how are you going to respond to that? Can I encourage you to allow yourself and allow your life to be interrupted by God from time to time? To be interrupted by this invitation? Don't let the invitation of coming to meet Jesus scare you or fill you with fear, but instead trust God and focus on the good news that he is your saviour and he is your hope. And finally, let's share this invitation with those around us. I am so grateful to the person and to the people who told me about Jesus. We can be that to somebody else. There's no greater gift to be that bearer of good news to somebody else. God is inviting you this morning, and not just because it's Christmas, but he is always inviting you to come and meet with Jesus. The question is, how are you going to respond? I'm going to close in prayer now. God, I, uh, I thank you that you give us the invitation to come and meet with you and to meet with Jesus. I thank you, God, that just like the shepherds, we don't have to be um, anyone special. We don't have to do anything special to meet with you. But you actually, you just invite us to come and see you and to come into relationship with you regardless of who we are, regardless of our backgrounds, regardless of what we've done. God, I pray that you would help us with our fear, that you would help us to overcome that. And thank you that we have the good news of Jesus, the good news of our freedom and the good news of our hope to help us to overcome that. And God, I pray that now as it is Christmas time, that we wouldn't get so focused on the stuff of Christmas, on the presents, on the food, all of those things which are huge blessings to us, God. But I pray that we wouldn't be focused on that, but instead we would take time to be interrupted by you. Help us, God, and be with us this Christmas. Amen.